0: And welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one otherworldly page of Talmud a day. And today on Yoma 11, oh man, what heights do we have to climb? Listen to this from our favorite man, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said, there was an incident involving an examiner who was examining mezuzot in the upper marketplace of Tzipori. Okay, going around examining the mezuzahs on the doors. During a period when decrees were issued against the Jewish people, and a Roman official found him and collected a fine of 1,000 Zuz from him. The Gemara raises a difficulty. But didn't Rabbi El-Azhar say that those on the path to perform a mitzvah are not susceptible to harm throughout the process of performing the mitzvah? If you're out there to perform a good deed, are you not protected from above? The Gemara responds, in a place where danger is permanent, it is different, as one should not rely on a miracle. As it is written with regard to God's command to Samuel to anoint David as king in place of Saul, and Samuel said, How will I go? And Saul will hear and kill me. And God said, Take in your hand a calf and say, I have come to offer a sacrifice to God. Even, the Talmud reminds us, even when God himself issues the command, there is concern with regard a clear and present danger. What a question this, this small paragraph raises. Can faith, can what we believe, keep us safe from harm physically? And what is the relationship between what we believe and how we feel? And to answer that question, I have the pleasure of welcoming to this show one of my favorite people alive. She is a teacher a trainer, a shaman, a doctor of neuroscience of all sorts. I can't even begin to understand. She is a person who knows a lot about the connections of body, mind, and soul. Stacy Berman. Hello, Dr. Stacy Berman.
1: Well, hello there, Layal. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> I am delighted to talk to you because this question is one that really interests me. You know, the rabbis in this page ask, okay, well, you know, you're going out there. You shouldn't just assume and be like foo-foo about it. Be like, oh, God will protect me. I'll be fine. There is, they tell us, a very intricate connection between safety and well-being and spirituality and our bodies and our minds and our souls. They invite us to explore this. You've been doing this, you know, professionally, mystically, passionately for so long. Tell us about this connection and how it works.
1: Well, first, I want to just correct you on one thing. My field of study is psychoneuroimmunology, not (laughs) not neuroscience. (laughs) I can't even pronounce that. It's slightly different. However, the idea behind that field of study is how our thoughts affect our nervous system, affect our immune system and endocrine system, and so on and so forth. So it's the very real study of how what we think, feel, and believe affects our physical body. And even as... As I say that, this idea of mind-body duality is a falsehood. There is no separation between mind and body. Our mind is our body and our body is our mind. We have more nerves going from our body to our mind than we do vice versa. So our body is actually giving a lot more information to our mind to make decisions, to think, to believe with than vice versa. So. That's the, the first thing that I'd like to say on that. And then the second thing is that the things that we believe in absolutely do have real and measurable effects on our physical body, including our health, including the way our body processes information, which results in or disease and things like this.
0: This sounds fascinating to me. Give me give me an example of that, because I've, I've always sort of had that inclination, but want to know a lot more.
1: As an example, there was a study, and I'll probably mangle it a little bit, but the study was done with people who had injuries on their knees. Now, what they did was they had three groups of people. One was a control group who had nothing wrong with their knee. And in the study, what they did was they cut the skin open for the control group who had no issue with knee problems. They just cut the skin open, sewed it back up, saw what happened to the knee. The next group had actual knee problems. They cut the knee open. They did surgery. They sewed it back up and then they measured their progress. And then the other group who had knee injuries, they cut the knee open, but they didn't do any surgery and they just closed the knee back up. And then they wanted to just see how each of these groups healed. And what they found was that the group who actually did have structural issues wrong with the knee, but who just had the knee cut open without the surgery healed, I believe more so, I haven't read the study in a while, but I believe they healed more so than the ones who actually had the reconstructive surgery. The people did not actually know if they had the surgery or not. So what that tells me is that the people who had believed that they had surgery but didn't actually have surgery, something about their belief changed the way their body healed. That's what we call a placebo effect, right? But if we can kind of expand that to this faith in God or a higher self or whatever you want to call it. That I think this can also be true, that if you have some sort of belief in something higher, that that also is going to affect the way that your cells are responding to life itself a belief in something higher than yourself and a connection to something higher than the self is actually going to affect the way your body is processing information. This is a a field of studies called epigenetics. So above the genes, what you think and feel is affecting the way that your genes translate.
0: Epigenetics, of course, being the favorite pastime of every Jew, right? Being the the kind of study of why all the uh, traumas and anxieties of my great, great, great parents affect me too. But there's something in the Talmud today and in the page today that we just read that is even a more beautiful complication upon complication because it tells us, hey, listen, even if you have this kind of faith, you still have to do the work. <laughs> you still have to take care. <laughs> Look at the reality, right? Don't assume that, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to sit here on the couch and God will provide. So I, I want to know as, as someone who's who's also a real healer and I've worked with you, so I know this to be true. When people come to you and say like, oh, I'm a mess, I need to do stuff. Give them, give us, give everyone listening some steps that maybe we could take to kind of get mind, body, and soul aligned.
1: Okay, so the first thing is, can I curse here? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> So what I'd like to say to that is do the fucking work. You know, I've worked with a range of people. Sometimes it's just weight loss, sometimes about like connecting with higher self, sometimes about fixing a relationship that's gone wrong. Sometimes it's disease manifesting in the body and it only works if you do the work. So what that might look like for someone, I mean, an easy one that I always give everyone because it doesn't matter what realm you're in is taking care of your body. And that means through eating healthy, nutritious foods. And that means also through having some sort of movement practice. Now, I'm not just talking about that from a perspective of like trainer and fitness. I'm talking about, like I said earlier, that there is no separation in mind and body. And furthermore, there is no separation in mind, emotions, body, and spirit. The body is the vehicle through which we experience spirit at least in this human form. And so if we are not taking care of the physical body, well, guess what? Then we are also not taking care of the spiritual self or the psychological or emotional self. Those are really, really easy things, relatively anyway, (laughs) that can create alignment in all of these different versions of the self that we all have control over, breathing, having a breathing practice again simple super duper simple we all breathe we breathe automatically By taking a few minutes a day, five, 10 minutes a day, and just focusing on your breath. Physiologically, it's not only very good for you, but emotionally and spiritually and mentally, it helps you find a center through the breath. So, those are like really, really basic things. You know, I think a lot of times people come to me and they're like, I wanna be a fairy, witch, shaman, and bless the world, which is wonderful, fine, okay. (laughs) Except, Let's start with the basic stuff. That kind of stuff is accessible to everyone. And that's usually where I would start with everyone. Movement, food, and breathing. Basic things one needs in life.
0: God bless. And on that note, Stacey Berman, thank you so much for being our guest.
1: Thank you so much.
0: This has been Take One.